Hi everyone, welcome back to His and Her Life Hacks. Uh, my name's Dawn. And I'm Larry. And in today's episode, episode number three, uh, we are talking about something that we mentioned in episode one, which was uh, we've each gone through different tragedies. And so today we're going to focus on Larry's tragedy and his story. Um, kind of doing it a little like an interview style just because it feels like it flows better that way. So, um, so Larry, why don't you take us to the beginning and start there? All right. Thank you, Dawn. Yeah. So I'll take you back to August 3rd, 1991 uh, in Seattle City, New Jersey. And I met who would become my future wife, Chris Federico, um, in a bar. And we hit it off fantastically that night. And, um, you know, within two years, we were married, right? So... One of the things that I had uh, loved about meeting her and resonated with me was her faith. It was an extremely strong faith, and um, I felt I had a strong faith, and the connection was great that way, and it just became the kind of foundation for our relationship. And so, you know, as we started our marriage um, and the kids started to come along, we basically divided up our duties, and we said, Chris is going to be the one staying at home, raise the kids, kind of be the anchor. And I'll be the one out providing. I worked for a GE at the time, and it was a, a really good job. Um, and I got to travel the world, but also be home when I needed to be home to help raise the kids. And, and that's that was our thing, and, and it worked great together. And the, and the kids started coming along. We had Larry, and then Jordan, Zach, Celeste, Simon, Faith, Carmel, and down to Solomon. And Solomon was um, a baby, so he had just been born. Um, two months before the tragedy. So why don't you take us to May 12th, 2011? Yeah, so we were, you know, we were living the dream, right? We were living our dream life. And it was, uh, like you said, two months after uh, Solomon was born, I was, I had started to travel again because I hadn't been for those previous two months. And I was called down literally the night before a meeting um, that was going to be taking place on May 12th. It was going to be in Charlottesville, Virginia, which was uh, the headquarters of the division of GE that I worked for. So I got up that morning, you know, kissed Chris goodbye and drove down with every intention of handling the meeting and then coming back and being home that night because I had to bring Jordan, I think, to, uh, to a practice or a game. Um, so that was, uh, that was kind of the background. And during the meeting, um, I got the first call, uh, the first of two calls that both you would never want to receive in your life. And it was from the Thorndale Police Department and they said was this Larry Ambrose we're in your house we're working on your wife I was stunned saying what do you mean working on my wife right. because you know she was completely healthy um, and then so that led to you know getting the decision to leave obviously immediately and two colleagues Sheila Kester and Jim Walsh drove me up uh, we were heading up to um, to home and uh, you know and everything's kind of crazy going through my mind like what could be happening and I'm trying to connect with my sister-in-laws and, and other, other people to figure out what was to piece us all together. And then I got the second call uh, that you absolutely never want to receive, which was from my brother-in-law, Craig. He had entered into the, into the hospital in the emergency room and was there uh, when they were working on her. And he, and he came back out to, to call me and let me know that she had passed away. Um, and, you know, as you could imagine, just utter devastation, right? And fortunately, I had Jim and Sheila there to help me just just maintain any composure and just try to think through because we had to then figure out some obvious, obvious next steps. Um, 
So we went right to the hospital. Um, I had maybe 10 minutes with her in the hospital. And, um, you know, I just asked her, you know, give me the strength, give me the words to, to tell the kids what just happened. Um, and so then we made our way. Uh, my brother-in-law took me back home. Um, and my kids, uh, you know, had gotten off the bus and the younger ones had gathered back at the house. Uh, and I, you know, I gathered them into the family room and I, I said, kids, um, you know, because they're wondering, like, where's mom? Why are you here? Not, yeah. Why are Uncle Pete and Uncle Al here? And, and I said, um, you know, who does your mom love the most in the world? And, and my oldest at the time, because Larry was still on the high school bus, uh, Jordan said, Jesus, uh, which tells you everything, you know, you need to know about Chris and her faith. And, and I said, yes. And today Jesus took Chris home. And, you know, slowly the realization, you know, came across from youngest down or oldest down to youngest. And, and obviously you can imagine what that impact was and so forth. Um, and then Larry came home and I had to tell him, um, you know, as he got off the bus as well. And, you know, just the whole world completely flipped upside down in an instant. And literally it was an instant because she was healthy, but she had a cardiac arrhythmia and, it, and she just dropped. And she had actually been talking to her sister-in-law Peg on the phone. Um, her sister, right? Her sister. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Her sister Peg. And uh, Peg was the one who had called 911 when, when Chris was no longer responding. So, yeah. So that was... Uh, it's horrible. I, it's so sad. I can't even imagine. Um, just like you said, how life can change in an instant. And you think somebody's fine. You leave for the day or whatever. And then hours later. So I can't even imagine... Um, I was going to ask, you know, how did you manage? How did, what kind of support? I know you had support from the community, from the church, from your family. Um, but like, what did that look like? Because as a man, right? Number one, men are programmed. Just do it all yourself. You know, you can do everything. And, um, so receiving help might've felt a little. It did. You know, and I, because you're right. You, you think, all right, we can get this. We can get through this. Um, we'll be able to figure this out. But it, it didn't take very long to, to realize, like, I was going to need a massive amount of help. And, and fortunately, I had people around me who were thinking much more clearly about what we were going to need. Um, and they were able to organize. And, and it didn't take me to be convinced um, that I needed it. And, you know, pretty soon they had they had just organized an army of a support system. And, you know, we as a family, you know, meals were delivered to us uh, for a year until we, you know, we, we decided we needed to take that over. We had our laundry done, you know, put your laundry out every night and your la our laundry was done for two years. Um, rides, um, you know, they organized, uh, you know, benefits to raise money for my kids' education fund. Um, it, just anything you could think of. You know, the family, excuse me, the, the community jumped in, the family jumped in to, to help. And, um, you know, one of the things I learned is that there is grace in receiving that help. And there's obviously grace in giving that help because people would tell me, you know, while I'm helping you, mm -hmm. I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for your family, I'm praying for the community at large. And so you realize that, you know, in this tragedy, out of this tragedy comes, you know, God's grace that is handed down to everybody involved. And um, in the end, it was a beautiful thing. We desperately needed it. And to this day, we are forever indebted to all those people who helped us. Yeah. And I would imagine that 
all the help that you received from the community and the church and your neighbors and family allowed you to really focus on your new role, the role that you didn't know much about. You were the father, the breadwinner. It was that was just the way it was. You know, yeah. Chris was great at being a mom and loving and nurturing and being home and you were now forced into this role to be mom and dad and also do what she did, which nobody can be somebody else. You know, right. you can try, but um, so how was that? Like, how did that feel? And Yeah, it was, you know, it was difficult, right? Because I had taken time off right after she had passed away to kind of reestablish my relationship with the kids. Because you're right, I was traveling a lot and now I had to you know, be dad, but I also had to fulfill the mom role. And now fortunately we had nannies who had come on and were, they were in our house, you know, 12, 13 hours a day helping me, which, which I absolutely needed. But you know, the kids still needed a mom, you know, a mom in her life. And I was trying to fill that role in, um, you know, it just kind of became the new normal and we just figured it out like one day at a time, one hour at a time, sometimes 10 minutes at a time, because that's as far out as we could look. Um, but it worked, you know, it, it was it was not ideal, um, but we were able to come together with, of course, with the support and, you know, now tackle this into kind of new normal each day. And we were given signs of hope, you know, there was a number of them, but one I'd love, a story I'd love to tell was, it was literally the one year anniversary of her passing. And as a family, we had decided, you know, we're, we're not going to hide from this day. We're going to embrace it. We're going to go celebrate her life. We're going to do all the things that she loved to do. So that's what we did. We got up in the morning, you know, we went to church together. Then we went to a local restaurant, which was one of our favorite restaurants to go to. We just had lunch. We drove down to the beach two hours to Seattle. Um, and one of our favorite things to do was run on the beach. So my kids had a ceremonial run on the beach. And then we took the short trip over to Ocean City, New Jersey, went on the boardwalk, which we would often do. We rode the rides because it was a Saturday, um, had ice cream. And it, it was, you know, given the circumstances, it turned out to be a beautiful day. Yeah. And then we come home, what's Sunday, and, and now Sunday turns into Monday, and I'm downstairs, you know, early in the morning, putting a load of laundry in, the kids are getting ready to school, and I, and I look out the window, we had a walkout basement, and there's a peacock staring <laughs> right at me, like right into my eyes, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I've never seen a peacock outside of a zoo, yeah. and I was like stunned, so I called the kids down, and they're crazy, like running around all excited to see this peacock, and you know, as a day, they went on, they're in school, I'm in the house, and, and I look out and, you know, I see the peacock up on our swing set. And so I grab my camera and I'm walking out and I'm walking up to him. And as I do it, he just majestically, you know, raises his arm. Mm. So I got pictures of it. And I had been calling my sister-in-laws and, and they're like Googling what's the meaning of a right. peacock. And, you know, the symbology in Christianity is, is that they guard the gates of heaven. So mm -hmm. here we are a year after she passed away. And we're getting reassurance from God, from Chris, that, you know, they're with us on this journey. And, you know, we just need to keep marching forward, right? And as hard as it was, it, you know, we were getting that encouragement. And it was, you know, it provided wind in our sails that we desperately needed. And it sounds like Chris made herself known coming in hot, right? Yeah, right. Like, she couldn't just show up as a red robin you know she had to <laughs> come in peacock. as a peacock something that was unique glory, and yeah, exactly. and something to make you go what is that right. Right. <laughs> so uh so it sounds like you know this was your new life and everything so how was that affecting you like it sounds like you were starting to get into a rhythm and the kids yeah. and routine and all of that but 
how is it, if you had to take a step back, how is it affecting your health and your mindset and your everyday living in that day, in that moment? I would say for the first three or four years, it was doable, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I worked for GE. They were unbelievably supportive. They gave me a role that I could do from home. I wasn't traveling nearly as much. I was able to be home more. Um, you know, and so I think I had, for the most part, had things as best you can under control. Mm -hmm. But then as we got into 2015, 16, 17, things changed. So first of all, the kids are getting older. And so yeah. the decisions you need to make around what's important to them are now college, right? You know, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to major in? Um, you know, driving. I have more drivers now in the house and teaching them how to do it. So this, the stakes and the decision with the kids were increasing. The younger ones were now becoming very active. So the, the magnitude of the effort was expanding. Um, and then at the same time, GE was investing in building a software business, and I was a part of that. And instead of now going to Charlottesville, Virginia, I was now flying to California because that was the headquarters. And so the, the travel ramped up. And, and what I found over time is that I started to lose control uh, to the point where I started, I kind of term it, the losses started to pile up. I, I started to lose connection to my kids because... I may have physically been there, but mentally I was checked out. Travel all week, get home on a yeah. Friday night, and have to get ready to travel again Monday. You know, you're sitting on the couch, and you might be there again, like I said, physically, but falling you're, not, you're asleep. not there. Right, yeah. falling asleep, yeah. or just not able to kind of pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, so there was that aspect and with my children. Then it was my health. I stopped really being able to sleep through the night. I was starting to get up intermittently. Um, and that was impacting my cognitive quality ability, my, yeah. my quality of sleep, but then yeah. my cognitive ability to think in the process. Um, and then as all that's happening, um, then I started to lose hope. Uh, and, you know, like, what is this life? Like, is this really what it's going to be? Um, until I hit a point in um, early May of 2017 where I just crashed. Um, and I was basically uh, on a call on a Friday night and... I had to had to end that call early, and I literally almost had a nervous breakdown. And I had to go down and face my kids and try to figure out how to trick them into thinking everything was okay. Mm -hmm. But um, early that Monday morning, I got up. I called my counselor and my doctor, who are fantastic, and, and their uncle and nephew to each other. And fortunately, they were in tune with what I needed. And I met with them, and they said, listen, you need to take a leave of absence, right? Like, you've got to take a step back, and you need to focus on your health, and you need to focus on your kids. And... And so I listened. And so, you know, that's what I ended up doing um, at that time. So it sounds like you were being brought to your knees. God was trying to tell you something and you probably weren't listening in the beginning because you were trying to do it all, be it all. I'm sure I can resonate with that. Yeah, well, I think we're, we're geared up ever since the beginning. You're the provider. Yeah. You are out to provide for your kids. They need you know, they need you in terms of providing for them things that they needed. They needed to go to college. They needed clothes. They needed this. So you're wired that way. But I think what God was basically saying was, no, you need to be a provider in a much different way. Yeah. Like you need to be a father and a parent to your mm -hmm. kids. And it was only through bringing me and bringing me to the edge of the abyss right. that I finally listened. And I am grateful that I did. I'm grateful that... He gave me that opportunity, and I'm grateful that I had a support system that was there to catch me. Yeah. And then this new being forced to take a leave of absence mm -hmm. is basically what you decided. Um, so I'm sure there were a ton of emotions wrapped up in that. 
Uh, what did that look like? What did that feel like? How did you navigate that? Like, what were your first steps when you yeah. took that leave of absence? Well, I think, you know, for me, it was I had to accept it, right? Because even though I physically, mentally, emotionally, I had to, I, you also still fight it, right? Like, you know, I can, I can kind of work through this, but, but clearly I couldn't. So as my doctor said to me, you know, just be, right? Yeah. Don't try to figure out what happened. Don't try to solve the future. Just be, just be present, just be present still. with the kids, be yeah, still, be still yeah. you know, I started in a routine of running, of, of journaling, of, you know, reading scripture and so forth. And, and that was the one key thing is that I really doubled down on my faith. Um, while I had never lost my faith through all that, I was definitely distant from it and I had been disconnected. And I think going deep into my faith and really processing through things and having conversations with God, not just saying prayers, but having open conversations about, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do I work through this? Um, really kind of Surrendering, helped. basically. Right. That's, that's Sur- really what I hear, surrendering. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, help me to figure out what I need to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was going through that summer, I started to gain more clarity. I got my health back. I was able to kind of sleep and I was able to get my cognitive functioning, my brain processing back again. And then I started to realize I needed to do some pretty significant work. I needed to go heal some things from my past that had kind of always been there, but kind of in the background. And I think Chris had kind of helped me keep at bay and overcome. Um, But now without her presence, they had kind of come back in full force. And I also needed to grieve her. Like in reality, I never had grieved her loss. And I needed to actually go through that process, the painful process to do that. Um, but I did. And I was able to, at that point, be able to kind of work through those things and get to a point of clarity, right? And, you know, having gone through that painful process. I think that's, it's so important. It's something that I swear by you and I both can relate to. And I guess if there's one takeaway or one nugget from today, um, it's so important that we go through the pain and not around it. And it's actually our pain, our deepest pain in our life is truly our purpose in life. So we're meant to help others with the pain that we go through. And I think it's changing your mind from, you know, why are you doing this to me, God, to what are you trying to show me so that I can help others or just changing the way we think of it. And I know myself, not the same story, but when I changed the way I looked at how I've gone through so much and you've gone through yours, that it truly brought me to the other side of wanting to help others through mm-hmm. my pain. So that's what you're doing here today. Yeah. You know, today we're telling this story because, A, it's important and it's it's horrible and sad and it's something you live through. But also we want to kind of talk about the importance of really loving everybody in your life for every minute of every day because you never know what tomorrow could be or bring. Um, being present doing the work so if you do have stuff that needs to be figured out or sorted out do the work go through the pain don't go around it because it's going to keep resurfacing just like yours did it came back and um and then helping others with that and so i mean that's what happened right i i through that clarity through doing that work i came to the decision point and it was is my purpose to go back to work and and i want to go down to back to a much different role but even with that, the one thing I realized is I, I cannot buy time, right? I couldn't buy time with my kids. Um, so was that going to be my purpose or was God leading me somewhere different? And, you know, all during that summer, I became very fixated on the concept of joy. And joy to me is is much different than, say, an emotion like happiness. Because yeah. they're fleeting, they come and go. But 
joy to me is a state of being. It's a, you know, a presence inside of you. It's how you approach everything. So you can be happy and joyful and sad and joyful, right? But so joy is steady. It's steady, I, it's right? steady and constant. Yeah. And and so that was the decision. And ultimately my why changed. What I realized was my why changed. What was important to me for those first 51 years of my life was not what was going to be important for the next hopefully 50 years of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I I thought about a mission statement. I thought about what are the priorities in my life and I reprioritized my life around mm-hmm. five things and you know live in communion with God because that was first and foremost I had to be you know my faith had to be strong on my my belief in God and he had to be with me secondly was my health spiritual mental emotional physical because if I wasn't healthy I wasn't going to be there for the kids Mm -hmm. the third was stay connected to your children be there be the loving presence we all know in today's world if you're not there there's a thousand things in the palm of their hands coming through that phone that that want to influence them and and you have to be present in their mm-hmm. life. You have to stay connected to them. The fourth was, I knew I wanted to fall in love again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to experience love in my life again. And then the fifth one was, I truly wanted to give back. I, I learned so much over the previous years, and I knew that I could help. And, and I didn't know how I was going to do it yet, but I knew I wanted to give back and kind of live that purpose. So I oriented my life and made the decision at the time. I'm going to walk away from this job. Uh, it's a job I loved, the people that I loved, the career that I loved, but I'm going to stay home and raise my kids because that was what was most important to me. That's awesome. That's great. I, I think we should all live like that. <laughs> so now fast forward, here you are, say six years later. How are things? Have you been able to fulfill your missions? And um, yeah, I know the kids. Like obviously, I can speak on behalf of the kids. They are the most lovely children ever. I'm gonna get emotional, so I'm not gonna keep going. But um, you've done a wonderful job, and they're so sweet and spiritual and loving and fun and kind and all of the greatest things. So, um, but where would you say you are six years later? Well, you know, looking back, like I absolutely would make this decision every day of the week. There were certainly things we gave up. There was certainly we had to change again priorities but also you know change how we live things we could go by whatever but i would make this decision every day of the week it has been in my view a home run and so i'm living this life of joy six years later my my relationship with my kids has never been stronger i've been there in the morning i've been there at night i cook meals we have dinner on most nights together i've been actively involved in their life i went from watching a couple games you know every once in a while to actually coaching them you know and just being there for all their key decisions that they had had to make in life and be the shoulder that they could cry on when they were going through something and it it has meant everything to me and it's meant everything to them um and so that's been like i said a home run and then you know finding love again Mm -hmm. and so you my lovely fiance (laughs) i mean i was ready at the time um that we met two years ago i was living this life of joy as were you after coming through something similar and you know, I like to describe it as two joyful people met that day, two hearts of joy, and we were ready. And it's been a whirlwind of romance um, since, but you have been phenomenal in embracing my kids. It's obviously it was just as important as how the person was going to embrace me, it was how they embraced the kids, and you've been unbelievable with that. Um, so living this life of joy, finding love, having a relationship with my kids, and then living our purpose. And so this podcast is part of our combined mission to go out and help people get unstuck, 
find their true purpose, live their life of joy. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say we're, we're doing that, right? And it's um, it's been great. It's, you know, it has its ups and downs for sure, but um, it's, you know, it's the life I chose. And again, I, I would never make this decision any differently. Yeah, I agree. So nicely said. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And we hope that it really inspires and offers hope to you guys, the listeners. Um, and just, you know, focusing on how to navigate through horrible times, overcoming loss. Um, it is possible. Larry's yeah. a perfect example of that. It's not easy. You have to go through the pain and do the work. And it's going to take time, but it is possible. So hopefully we've been able to offer a little inspiration to everyone through your story. Yeah. Thank you. So. Thank you for guiding me through this. And I look forward to uh, returning the favor here shortly. Mm. So thank you. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the His and Her Life Hacks podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to having you join us on future episodes. If there is a topic that you would like Dawn and I to discuss, please feel free to contact us at dawn.jacoby at grit2grace.com or larry.ambrose at grit2grace.com. See you on the next one.